Hello, I'm Bill Lawrence, and welcome to another edition of my Big Bag of Onions. Each show is a carefully curated selection of undeservedly unfamiliar songs and a dozen brand new short stories written exclusively for Colm Radio and especially for this show by you, our listeners. So it's time for you to sit back because this is Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Journey by Phil Boast. He sat on the bus, watching a perfect world go by. He had left her last night, a smile and a goodnight kiss, and a lifetime lived in a moment. It would only be their second meeting, but his soul was doing somersaults at the thought of her waiting for him at the other end of this so particular journey. And his young body reacted in a way quite inappropriate to sitting on a bus. Only love, he supposed, could do this and so he supposed that he must be in love and from now on this would be everything Thank you. 
Mothers by Adrian Cohen White horses whisper on the sea Seagulls clinging to the breeze Straight line steamships meet the sky the waves are welling like mother's teary eyes and they'll break forevermore on this green and rocky shore. Mothers are clinging to their flesh, farewells whispered, all were blessed. Seagulls are screaming, now they're bound for America and they're gone forevermore from this starved and tearful shore. Glowing turf, burning sweet, her bruised kettle brews bitter leaves. Steepling rocks, Galway, Donegal, peering westward, like the mothers who gave their all, and they're alone forevermore, with their blood on distant shores.
you're listening to Bill's Big Bag of Onions, an extraordinarily tasty and chewy pot of wonderful stories and blended music chosen and written by our own community here at 106.6 FM Com Radio. Go on, love my onions. I know I do. Dark Shoals by Ian Hornet. When I close my eyes, I see colored dots. They stream in from left or right, flowing across my private world like a shoal of fish. Tiny individual specks of life, swooping and sweeping as one. Sometimes they change direction mid-flow, but they always find a way out, up or down. I used to wonder where they went to. Now I don't. Phosphines, the scientists call them, electrical charges. You get them when you sneeze or stand up too quickly, except Mine aren't phosphines. Mine are the stars. I've seen the future, and there's bad news. They're all leaving. Trifle by Minnie Ardo. Ronald was sitting at the kitchen table eating his trifle when the three armed, masked gunmen stormed into the house. 
One of them held a gun to his head as they tied his wife to the kitchen chair and gagged her and insisted he reveal the location of his safe and the combination to open it. One man stayed whilst the others ran upstairs and a few minutes later they left with whatever of his possessions they could carry. As soon as he had finished his trifle, Ronald went immediately to release his wife and see what had been stolen. Big Bag of Onions on 106.6 FM Colm Radio. Innovative voices and original stories making our unique community. No onions have been hurt in the making of this programme. The Death of Amenemhotep by Sally Wazy. as Osiris placed the feather on the scales and Amenhotep's heart on the other. The scales hit the floor and the feather floated away across the room. Your heart is too heavy to take the ship of Ra to the place of eternal bliss. It's the other place for you. Oh bugger. Not really fair though is it? I mean how many people's hearts weigh less than a feather? Not many to be honest. What sort of feather is it anyway? Uh, a chicken, I suppose. Well, couldn't you like 
put the whole chicken on there. Sorry, no exceptions. Next. your table with the sun outside your window inside your head is all clattering and banging and the brambles grow around you every day all those voices shouting louder you wonder why the foolish pride on the crowded train with a broken plastic speaker From the noisy streets and bars you hide You're seeking calm You're seeking calm For where you will shall be still Shall be still, shall be still Through the queues in the morning You must travel as well But you hear that voice from the old woods calling You don't need this daily hell You're seeking Come, you're seeking come For where you will All shall be still All shall be still Shall be still Politicians are arguing Over numbers and names the lies are lost when the waves come roaring When all is said and done, the land they're fighting about They're tearing and they're burning While the people are living on the land's the same Out and About by John Dew One day, living as the cautious do, internally, virtually, no fin cutting the dull surface of existence, she went shopping. She dawdled by the fruit. Madam, are you perusing the fruit? Perusing, she replied, a little nonplussed, noticing his hands. Nobody peruses fruit. Squeeze it, maybe. Weigh it in the hand, he suggested, with a wink. I don't think it's any business of yours, she remonstrated. But it is. This is my stall. But you're very welcome to get amongst my goods. Are you prepositioning me? Would it be beneath you if I was? No, she smiled. Just stop 
by Tony Pierce. Tell the truth, prove loyalty. Tell a lie, illustrate adaptability. You must choose carefully. Hopkins, step forward. Where do you live? 33 Stourbridge Street. Boring! If I wanted your miserable address, I'd follow you home. Hopkins is removed. Butler! Butler steps forward nonchalantly. Hobbies? Um, acrobatic scuba diving and cliffside parachuting. Dumb cough. Extreme exaggerations don't work. Quebec? Father's occupation? What? Bugger, he's a postman. Think. A top spy? Too obvious. Astronaut? Time's ticking. Uh, engineer. Uh, that is, nuclear engineer. Top secret stuff. Hmm. Interesting and useful. You're in. Hurrah! Just like that. I am a member of the Bellstead Boys Club for Avid Adventurers.
of onions a remarkable adventure in words and music where everything you hear is from you our listeners this is the community of onions on 106.6 fm comb radio except no inferior onions because only the best will do Dilemma by Anissa in Yogyakarta Rani faced an extreme dilemma. Her heart was palpitating. Fiddling her fingers while nervously observing the glaring screen of her gadget, she knew she was stuck. She only had two options. To go or not to go. Her position at that moment was one that she had hardly experienced for weeks, lying on her bed doing nothing productive. If she were to compromise that, she wouldn't be able to feel that bliss for weeks. Alas, in order to progress, she has to take the first step, to venture outside her house and greet the green-jacketed motorcyclist who'd brought her food. Pushing is a rock up the hill. Tired of this rock and I'm a tired of that. 
Treading Delicately by Paula Samburu He would have to be careful. This would be the fifth time of their meeting. And he felt ready now to move their relationship on to a new level of intimacy. But it was different for girls. He knew that. He also knew that he must tread delicately, choose his moment and approach the matter with subtlety so as not to appear forceful or presumptuous. They met, spent a pleasant evening together, at the end of which she said, Well, I suppose it's about time we had sex, isn't it? Sometimes, he supposed, the direct approach was the best way. Log by Bill Lawrence. 
He was known as the captain. For over 40 years, he steered his hand-painted houseboat up and down the dark waters of the London Canal, always wearing his cap, its braided peak pulled low over his eyes. This was his favourite mooring, beneath tall brick warehouses and factories, now home to bankers and chefs. Dusk was falling, snowflakes dancing in the winter wind. He had finished splitting the firewood that would warm him on board tonight. The heart attack was sudden and brutal. He was dead before his axe hit the ground and the last log rolled slowly into the canal. You have been listening to short stories that we call onions, which have been written exclusively for Cone Radio by Phil Boast, Adrian Cohen, Ian Hornet, Minnie Ardo, Sally Wazy, John Dew, Tony Piers, Anissa, Paula Samburu, and Bill Lawrence. And so that's all we have time for for this edition of the show. If you would like to contribute an onion, just get in touch, either with Cone Radio or via the Bill's Big Bag of Onions Facebook page. And remember, the stories must be exactly 100 words long. So join us again soon, on a Tuesday or a Sunday evening, for the next edition of Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Be seeing you. Productions present From Colchester to Sulawesi, written for Colm Radio by Phil Boast and Paula Larcher. Episode 12 Family Outings. Very much to her annoyance, Hattie is too young to take her dive qualifications and join her brothers and Uncle Phil underwater. She must content herself with snorkeling with me and is totally unfazed by the marine life and the turtles, which are nearly as big as her. Anyway, we have some lovely family boat trips to the local islands, Manado Tua Island being the furthest from the mainland, about an hour by boat, the people who live on the island having many family connections with our village. As with Bohowo, the people there migrated down from the northern islands many years ago. Mr Benjamin, our headman, was born there, as were Nyoman, his five brothers and one sister, who only moved to the mainland to attend school. Melda is a Bahowo village girl and is related in various highly complex ways to about three quarters of the people in the village. Nyoman married into the village and he's always pleased when we visit the island of his birth. Zeladen is the smallest of the islands and closest to us, and my personal favourite. But what they all have in common are beautiful, deserted, sandy beaches and coves where we pass many contented hours. We charter boats from Monado, and Aris is always boat captain, taking with him two or three of the village men to take second engine and sit a four to check for driftwood. We always come well provisioned for the beach with nazi kunung bunkus, yellow rice wrapped in a banana leaf, the rice having been cooked in turmeric, which grows in abundance here, and the boys make a fire over which they cook us all freshly caught fish. 
We swim and snorkel over the coral and take in the magnificent panoramic views of the mainland and other islands. And this absolutely spoils us for any other kind of beach where other people might dare to be and where there might be such things as cafes and roads with cars on. We have the ocean in front and the jungle behind and glorious tropical sunshine and that's enough. Because of the family connections, certain people in Bohowo have come to inherit and thus own land on Monado Tour. Mr Benjamin owns the land behind a particularly idyllic cove around the back of the island, where the horizon is unbroken and the sea cuts up a bit rough sometimes during the rainy season, when the orcas come in close to the shore. He has offered to sell us the land, where we could build a small retreat for ourselves and perhaps for our future guests. We've got too much otherwise going on at the moment, but nothing is ruled out for the future, and we are tempted. Whilst the family are here, we also take the opportunity to revisit the Minahasa Highland areas, where we decided not to live, but which are nevertheless a good place to visit. Here, Mount Lokon, one of our active volcanoes, dominates the landscape and overlooks Lake Tondano, the huge crater lake over which there are bamboo restaurants selling fresh fish from the lake. The Minahasa people are quite distinct from the coastal settlers, both in looks and in culture, having much paler skin, and the women here are generally regarded as being the most beautiful in Indonesia. Christianity dominates, but as with the coastal people, the old ways and traditions still thrive, and on festival days the people of one particular tribe dress in flamboyant red costumes, festooned with the skulls of owls. The owl is sacred to these people and apart from killing them for their skulls, live birds play an integral and indeed vital part of their festivities and rituals. As no festival or ritual can begin until an owl has hooted three times. It's three good hoots and off we go. Not only are the people distinct from the coastal dwellers, but they must historically have been distinct from one another, and in the highlands there are no less than 11 quite distinct languages, in an area much smaller than the smallest English county. 11 different peoples, with no common word for a tree between them, which is linguistically quite extraordinary. All of them speak Bahasa, the common Indonesian language, so everyone can nowadays communicate. But as is the case with the coastal people, the old languages are still used for everyday communication. There is also a large sulphur lake here and various geothermal areas where boiling water and mud vent to the surface from deep below the volcano and a superbly ornate Chinese Buddhist temple complex complete with an 11-storey pagoda, impressive dragon imagery and my own particular favourite which is a temple constructed in the shape of a turtle. In any case, here we take the family for a long day trip and a fine time is had by all.
Whilst Phil takes the boys and Janet diving, Mummy, Carol and I take Hattie into the downtown, ostensibly in search of anything which might be useful for the lodge, and to introduce them to the market. Hattie has fallen in love with the goats, and we have not the heart to tell her that they are soon to be somebody's supper. This isn't the glossy kind of shopping which they are used to, but they seem to enjoy themselves. What interests Hattie the most, however, are the Bendis, or traditional single horse-drawn two-wheeled carriages, which are designed to carry local people to their destination. Hattie loves horses and has her own horse at home, so we decide to treat her to a ride through the downtown, which she insists on taking on her own, being a young lady of somewhat independent spirit. In my best Indonesian, aided by Aris, who has driven us into town, I explained to the Bendy driver that the young, blonde-haired white girl wants to go for a ride. He asks where she wants to go, to which I reply that she doesn't want to go anywhere in particular, but wants to end up where she started. The driver seems somewhat bemused by this philosophy, but takes her anyway, arriving back some 15 minutes later. We pay him, Hattie has thoroughly enjoyed herself, and he will have something to tell his friends and fellow drivers about the strange English people and his first encounter with tourism, whereby people are prepared to pay for something with no apparent gain, other than to experience something which he spends all of his working day doing, when he would likely prefer to be doing something else. Domestically, all goes well at the lodge, all things considered. We eat passably good meals from plastic plates on our laps, sitting on brightly coloured plastic chairs borrowed from the village in the absence of any dining room furniture. The downside is that the adults amongst us weigh more than the average Indonesian, for whom the chairs were manufactured, and the chair legs have a habit of splaying out under our weight in a most disconcerting fashion. Janet and Mummy take charge of the washing up, which they manage to do in the small and again strangely placed sink by the front doors. Janet, in particular, adapts well to the unusual circumstances, particularly in view of the fact that most of her meals are eaten off the best china in the peers' dining room in the House of Lords. And she seems not to mind the downgrading of her culinary circumstance in the interest of spending time with us. Janet has on numerous occasions been our passport into the Palace of Westminster, Buckingham Palace and numerous other high-flung venues and insists that she minds not at all that this is how we repay her. Testament indeed to our friendship and to her good and worthy spirit. We'll be leaving with the family in a couple of days at the end of a wonderful trip, which I have to say went so much better than I could have hoped for. Mummy loved the village and says it is just like going back in time, when everyone could leave their doors open with no fear of getting robbed. She has received so much attention everywhere we go and has had endless invites to people's houses for tea and cakes. Obviously, a white-haired elderly English lady has never before been seen in the village, and she clearly so much enjoys the attention and novelty that this brings. The village now refer to her as Mummy, as this is what Carol and I call her. So we leave, and we leave with some problems. There is still as yet no resolution as to how we are to bring vehicles into the lodge or what we are to do about Oni. We haven't heard again from the machete-wielding family, but they have marked their boundary clearly enough. It's rumoured in the village that they now want us to buy their land, which actually has the same problem as do we, as there is nowhere now to access their land from any direction, so their landlocked plot is effectively useless to them. We assume that all of the boundary business has been about trying to force us to buy the land, which is for sale at a grossly inflated price, and that we are not prepared to do. Actually, buying the land is not such a bad idea, but not under these circumstances or at this price, so we must find another way into the lodge. And at the moment, we are quite unable to think of a solution to this seemingly intractable problem. 
Further adventures are in store for Phil and Paula as they travel from Colchester to Sulawesi in the next episode of Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Bill's Big Bag of Onions is a guppy production for Cone Radio and is committed to a varied, equitable and truly inclusive output that properly reflects the ethnic diversity of our community audience.